My name's Sarah Frick, and you're listening to Are You For Real? A podcast all about being real. Like, really real, not just cute Instagram real. Like, real. All right, you guys, welcome back to Are You For Real with Sarah Frick. Today, we are talking to Trevor Hall. So anybody that is in the yoga industry or on a spiritual path of any sort um, has definitely, definitely heard his music. His music has filled the four walls that I've taught in for so many years, and his message is one that... I think works hand in hand with so much of the heart work and the physical work that we do in these rooms. And so this, this conversation was such a treat for me. And, um, I definitely had fangirl moment. I was so nervous that I was sweating profusely before the interview. However, he is such a lovely, lovely human, which always makes it even more amazing. It makes you want to support the music even more when you talk to them. So I cannot wait for you guys to hear this interview and to meet Trevor and to get to know him a little bit better as I did. But first a word from our sponsor. So if you guys have yet to try Blender Bombs, they are incredible. You can purchase them here at The Works, or you can even buy them on their website at blenderbombs.com and use my promo code Sarah with an H10 for 10% off. I love these things because they're so easy to eat. They're healthy. You can make a smoothie. Sometimes I just like eat them by themselves right out of the bag and truly, truly my kids like them. They think they're cookies. So they're healthy. They have so many benefits. They keep me going. It's a little boost of energy and who doesn't love to support a young local entrepreneur. All right. So check these things out. You guys, they're where it's at. All right, guys, we have Trevor on the line and we are getting ready to go with our interview. So Trevor, first of all, thank you so much for joining us today. Where are you currently? Uh, yeah, thanks for having me. I'm, uh, I'm at home in Colorado, uh, just, uh, resting up after, you know, a long year of touring. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, yeah, it feels good to be home. It's a beautiful time of year too, to be here. That's awesome. Well, I'm on meeting street. In Charleston. <laughs> no way. Yeah. So that was like another thing. I, so we live in Charleston, South Carolina. That's crazy. Yes, it is crazy. And it's um, interesting because I saw that you had this, the docuseries that's coming out right now. and So coming out tonight. Oh, cool. So I watched the first one and like I could throw a rock at the music farm. Yeah, that's so funny. Oh, my God. Yep. So we got that um, connection right there. And um, I actually lived on Hilton Head for a couple summers when I was in college and worked at the boathouse to make really good money and drink really cheap tequila. So we have that in common, too. (laughs) It is a small world. Um, So I just wanted to jump right in. And I'm just going to I have like a few things and then we can just kind of go from there. Anything you want to chat about, feel free. But I just, um, one thing I was watching the other day when I watched the, that first episode and you were talking about growing up in the South and being an artist and how that was an interesting experience for you. And I thought that was something for people that are, are listening that, you know, aren't from the South. And I do think like Charleston is probably one of the most progressive cities in South Carolina for sure. But just having that experience and what that was like. Yeah, it was interesting. I mean, um, oh man, I've been looking back on it so much since we've been doing this film. Um, but 
It was, it was, uh, I mean, being an artist, I think on Hilton Head specifically, like growing up in that community, it was pretty hard. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, not that, not that like anybody was like, uh, um, I don't know, like, you know, not rooting you on, like, um, it, it just, there wasn't the, I think the access to creative expression and mm-hmm. people, felt like a lot of people were kind of scared of like expressing themselves creatively because it was kind of like, you know, I, I grew up, I went to like a prep school, like it was kind of like, you know, get in line, um, you know, play a sport, uh, or be real <laughs> school and then right. go to a college, preferably like in the South, um, close to home. You know, it was just kind of like, I was just kind of like, I saw this kind of, uh, I don't know, not like a factory thing, but it was just like, man, why, you know, I guess this is right. This is being what's taught to me, what's right, you know, to like do this. But like, I really don't feel like this is right, you know, because growing up, like I was seeing like, okay, if this is like the thing to do, um, you know, why are like so many um, of my like, parents friends like unhappy or Mm -hmm. they just don't seem like genuinely um yeah like in a good space and not to say that like that path like is wrong or anything I'm just saying from an artist's point of view it was just difficult and I found that when I did try to um so because of that I like got you know I like started rebelling you know Mm -hmm. like get in trouble or I would party or I would listen to like, you know, different kinds of music and like make sure everybody knew that that's the music I was listening to. Yeah. You're like, look, I'm different. <laughs> Anything to be different. Yeah. And, you know, so it was, it was tough, you know, but like on the other side, like I said, there wasn't anybody trying to shut me down. Like all of my friends and even my parents' friends and everybody were like super supportive of you know, I guess my path as a musician or a creative person, but, um, I didn't have like, you know, other artists I could go and like talk to, you know, and, you know, I don't know, just relate to other than maybe like two or three people. So, you know, it had its pluses and minuses, but I think because of that, um, environment and not having like other people or other artists to, connect with it it really had it really made me like you know find myself it forced me kind of to find myself and go within and look within and uh draw from my own inspiration you know rather than I don't know other people's totally yes and um so when did you leave Hilton Head yeah so I left Hilton Head in 10th grade when I went to a boarding school an art school in uh, California, which was like completely opposite of my prep school. I mean, it was an international school. There's kids from all over the world. Uh, it was an art school. So like all the focus was on art, mm-hmm. um, or whatever, you know, medium you're, you have, you've chosen. And like, you know, you could go to school, like wearing what, or class, whatever you want. Like, you know, kids would dress up. Like it was like completely opposite. So when I left for there and, and, and went there, my whole world like just 
opened up. Like it, it was, so, there were some of the best years of my life for sure. That's awesome. I love, I love hearing that. What, so when you were like, before you left and you were in Hilton Head, like what were some, as like a young kid, like what were some of the music or like bands or musicians that really inspired you? Well, for me, like I, I went through so many different phases. Like I, my dad was a musician, so he, you know, had this huge record collection. And as a kid, like, you know, I would just like go through his collection and pull out a cover that like looked cool and like put it on, you know, and, and he was like really into like the Allman Brothers and, um, and then like Earth, Wind and Fire and, mm-hmm. um, you know, all these people. So like, I had this kind of, I guess, inspiration from my dad's, you know, taste, I guess. Um, but yeah, I went through like a punk rock stage. I went through like a... Who didn't? I mean... <laughs> uh, but for me, it was really like when I um, heard Bob Marley and uh, that kind of led me into like Ben Harper and and um, that kind of genre because I think when I first heard Bob, it was like there was something other than like the music, you know, there was a, a vibration behind the music and, and a strong vibration behind his sound and character. And you could just feel it, you know, and totally. I, like until that time, you know, um, I, I knew I was like kind of like a spiritual kid or was like searching for like, I don't know, something, whatever. Uh, but Bob was kind of like, his music and his life really like kind of was like pointing me to it's like, it's possible. Like you're right. There is something else, you know? Mm -mm. Uh, And that really, really like affected me. Um, And yeah, that was, it was probably, I mean, biggest inspirations, Bob and Ben and um, yeah. And then it's gone all over the place since then. But they are, and they are awesome. And I think too, just, you know, I um, I don't know if you know, but we I I use I've owned a few studios. Um, I'm a yoga teacher, and now I teach um like what I kind of call like soulful fitness. And um, our I just opened a new studio on Meeting Street. They're kind of like I don't know when the last time you were here was, but like Meeting Upper Meeting Street's like kind of being like super transitional right now. So we're it's an awesome place to be, and it still like has really fun local vibes. And then some new people are coming in. And I owned a studio on King Street for um, almost 10 years and one in Mount Pleasant. And um, one of the things like when I transitioned from like, I felt like as when I was owned these other yoga studios, they were great. They were lovely. They were flourishing. But I felt like I was like in this box, like, okay, Sarah, you're a yoga teacher. And I was like, I don't want to be in the box anymore. Like, I want to be a storyteller. And I have three children as well. And I was like, and, you know, I want to be able to do whatever fitness I want and for someone not to look at me and go, "Mm, that's not yoga. You know what I mean? Like, so to kind of like, and that's what I love about that type of music too, is I feel like there's like a story. And like you were saying, there's a vibration with it that you listen to it and it, it like sets, like sets you on fire almost like you, you can, you can feel it and it's not just like noise in your ears. So I can totally resonate with that. And, you know, I'm sure you know this, but like you have really, really become that for this community and for this yoga community and this, this community of people that are like searchers, seekers, like listeners, thinkers. And I mean, that, what is, I mean, I'm sure you're 
super humble in this space, but just for our listeners purpose, like, what does that feel like to you? Does that feel like a huge responsibility? Does that feel exciting? Uh, I mean, it, I, I, I'm humbled that you would say that, but like, I don't really feel that way. Um, yeah. it's just not, I don't know. It's for me, it's like the, I'm receiving, you know, what I'm hearing, you know, mm-hmm. uh, it's like, I know there's like, oh, you're a channel and like, blah, blah, blah. But like, I don't even think about all that. I just think about my relationship to that sound and, and, um, you know, the music comes through me and it's like the reason I love music so much or, or whatever is because it's healing. It's so mm-hmm. for my mind and my soul and my, um, my person and and I sing about what I love, you know, and I think like, um, I share what I love, you know, and, and, and all the people that have taught me or whatever inspired me in my life, they haven't told me to do anything. You know, they just live their life. They live their inspiration and they do what they love. And cause nobody wants to be told what to do, you know, like they don't even, it's hard to say, like, they're not even like, teachers but they're like the greatest teachers you know like mm-hmm. and, um i don't want to be like a teacher at all right right like don't put me on a pedestal please <laughs> as, tough as it is you know like um i just i'm grateful that people get healing uh from the music you know like that's such a huge blessing on me but like when pe- if people come up to me and they're saying like oh yeah your music has like helped save my life or helped like get me through a tough time. Like when I hear that, it's not like, wow, I saved your life. Right. Right. For me, it's really like, wow, this spirit, you know, like this music, this, this spirit that's giving me this sound, like, um, it's, that's so magical that it did that for them. You know, um, it's just like a slight degree of like separation for me. Like, I think the problem today is that everybody wants to be a teacher. Mm-hmm. Nobody, nobody wants to be a student. Nobody wants to like, you know, humble themselves and sit down and like look up at the earth and sky and like receive. Everybody wants to, you know, tell people what to do. And I think it's just ridiculous, to be honest. And I don't really want to be... Um, to be honest, like, I don't really feel, I don't really know like what I could teach people. Cause I'm just like a kid, you know, right. so for me, it's the music, it's the music, it's the spirit of, you know, what flows through that, um, should be, uh, revered, you know, um, yeah. uh, because yeah, everybody's just a vessel in a way, you know, like, even if you're a yoga teacher or like yourself or like, whatever. I mean, I I don't know how you personally relate to like the process of teaching, but that same spirit, I mean, in my eyes, the same spirit that is flowing through one person is flowing through another person in a different, you know, and, um, that's the thing that needs to be honored and revered, you know? Uh, but I think in our culture today, especially in Western culture, um, it's, you know, it's, it's, people aren't looking at that. People are looking at the person and, you know, um, I don't know. It's kind of tricky. But I I think I understand what you're saying, maybe a little bit, and maybe I'm totally off base, but just to speak to like the way that, um, 
like I've been doing this for um, most of my life. And the way that it started was like what you were saying, like not humbling yourself to be a student. But, you know, when I first started studying, it was like I completely just was, you know, I, I studied under a teacher and I wasn't like it was just learning and taking in the information and it wasn't anything like, um, like I wasn't getting, you know, paid for it obviously. And it was just absorbing, I don't know, like really information from one person to the next. And that, I think for me, that's why I love vinyasa yoga because, you know, the word vinyasa just means linking a breath with a movement and that's everywhere all the time. So like all we're constantly doing is breathing and moving and experiencing and, I think if you can find like a vibe or a, a tune to go with you on that journey, it can be, it's so, it's so exciting and so powerful for me anyway. So you, um, you did your first album at 16? I think I was 16. Yeah. So long ago. Do you look back at that and go, huh, that's interesting. Oh no. I look back at it. I'm like, Oh God. Like some, like my dad has it and he like, you know, like sometimes puts it on. I'm like, dad, <laughs> turn that off right now. <laughs> Yeah, I did it, but I think like when you're, you know, I don't know, as you've advanced, I guess, in your um, yes. artistry, you know, you look back and some things you're like, oh my gosh, you know, what was I thinking? But no, I'm proud of it, um, you know, and in just the respect of, in the respect of like that, I had the opportunity to do that at a young age, you know, that was like, um it was just so cool. Like, it was just like such a blessing to have the opportunity. Yeah. To like lay down these songs that I like wrote in our playroom, you know, yeah, that's the, that's, I'd say that's pretty cool. Did you, did you um, do that at, in Hilton head at 16? Yeah, My dad, uh, you know, my dad's a musician. So my dad, um, he had a friend that had a recording studio on the Island and he surprised me, you know, he just said, oh, like, get your guitar. Like, I want to take you somewhere for your birthday, you know, yeah. like, oh, and he like took me to the studio and I was like, you know, I had no idea what to do. You know, I was yeah. like, I was like, whoa, like I never sung into a microphone before, or like anything like that. But um, his friend Scott was so sweet and um yeah, it was just like a super awesome, fun experience, especially to be with my dad, you know? Yes. And I saw your parents on that, um, that first episode and they seem as a parent myself, like I love, they're so proud of you and your, your life. And that's really, that's so special. Yeah. They're, they're, um, they're, my dad's like, you know, way more into the rock star life than I am. <laughs> he's like, Hey, can you get me into the club? <laughs> He shows up at the venue, you know, and he's like shaking everybody's hand and inviting everybody to Thanksgiving dinner. And oh my God, I love it. <laughs> just, he's so funny. That's awesome. Well, um, I also, so one of the things I was like just reading about when we discussed asking you to be on the podcast is, after, so you were living in, were you in LA or San Francisco? When I first moved, well, I went to the school, which was just like a couple hours east of L.A. And then I, you know, when I graduated, I moved into L.A. OK. And then you were there for a bit. And then did you move to live in an ashram? Yeah. So I was only in I was only in lived in L.A. for like like L.A. proper, like uh, for like, I don't know, six months, eight, eight months, maybe. And then I moved to Laguna Beach, yeah, into uh, 
I didn't move into the ashram immediately, but I moved down there because of the ashram. And then like a year or two later, I moved into the ashram. And how did that get in, like um, introduced to you? Well, it's kind of like a long story. Um, I... I was in I was in 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 my high school, you know, I was um I got introduced to um a lot of different like Indian mystics and saints through um through one of my best friends but also like uh one of my teachers that I really admired who had been to India a bunch and who was also, who was like a devotee and was on the path, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was the one who um you know, he would like, he was kind of like teaching me meditation and, um, it was just like a super inspiring figure in my life. And, and he was my teacher, but also my friend, you know, and, um, he, my senior year, I was slowly getting into this like Eastern mysticism as I was at the school. And then he was the one who my senior year said, Hey, you know, I'm, um, or maybe it was my junior year. I forget. But he said, you know, I sometimes I go down to this temple uh, in Orange County um, and stay there for the weekend. And like, you can come and like, if, if you want, you can come with and just check it out. So I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. Like I was like super into it at that time. And so we went to this monastery for the weekend. But then the, that Sunday before going up to school, back up to school, he said, hey, there's another temple here, you know. Um, that's really amazing. And, uh, I really think you'd like it. We should go like visit it, you know? So I was like, yeah, like I was just on this, on the ride, you know, I was just like so stoked and my mm-hmm. mind was being opened up, whatever. So we went to this Kali temple, um, in Laguna beach and, and it was cool. You know, we stayed for a few hours and had tea with the monks and, and, uh, hung out and, and but you know I didn't really think too much of it. I, I just was like, wow, that was really powerful and beautiful. And I'm going back to school, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. I have math on Monday, you know. Right, right, right. Uh, so yeah. So but anyway, what happened was I graduated high school and I moved to LA. I signed this huge record deal uh, my senior year of high school, and I moved to LA and got this huge like apartment on the beach you know, had like a shitload of money, like Mm -hmm. from, from signing this deal. And And you were like 18, right? Yeah. I I was 18 years old. I, I had, you know, I moved into this place by myself into this huge city where I didn't know like anybody. And, um, I was smoking a lot of weed and, and was just like, so depressed. Like, Oh my God, I was so depressed. Cause I came from this place of like community you know, up in this, up in the mountains at the school. And then I was just isolated alone. Mm-hmm. Um, and just was so just, ugh, it was just not a good time, you know? Yeah. But, but that summer, um, that teacher said, Hey, I'm, I'm passing through LA and I'm driving down to Laguna. You should come to the temple because they, every year, uh, in the summer, that temple would fly in, uh, two priests from one of the most famous Kali temples, like in the world in India. And they would come to Laguna beach and they would throw this huge festival, this huge Kali puja. Um, 
where it's just three days of, of puja to the divine mother. And I was like, I was kind of like, hi, whatever, you know, I don't want to go and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, and he was like, dude, trust me. Like, this is the real thing. Like you gotta, you gotta do this, you know, you gotta come with me. So anyway, I went down to Laguna and it was, it changed my life. It mm. totally changed my life. Um, I just, wow. It was, it was like India, like in the States. I didn't know it yet cause I hadn't been to India yet, but right. um, it was just this amazingly beautiful um, connection to um, the soul land, you know, and um, traditional and just, it was just amazing. It blew my mind. And I found, I was like, man, this community and um, this family, like, you know, because I was so lonely in LA, mm -hmm. it was like call, pulling my heartstrings, you know? So I remember I, I, after that weekend I left, I went back to LA, was miserable. And I just started driving down to Laguna like every weekend or every week, you know? Mm -hmm. And eventually was like, you know, I should just move down here. Like, I can just drive up to LA if I have any like meetings or business, but like, why am I living in LA? Like, this is, this is awful. Like I should just move down to Laguna. So I moved down to Laguna. I got like a little apartment there. And what happened was the, the, um, my record deal wasn't kind of panning out, you know, like, um, it's long story, but like one, one, uh, president, you know, got fired than another like like the album I did so he said you got to do another album and then I did another album and then it, it was just like not going according to the timeline so right. I start I started to like seriously run out of money like I was like didn't have enough money to like pay rent like in Laguna and I remember it was kind of an accident you know I remember going to the temple I was going to the temple like every day and they were like, oh, man, like, you can just stay here, like, until you get back on your feet. Like, there's no pressure. You know, you're here every day anyway. Why don't you just, like, stay here in the ashram and, um, you know, give it two weeks or a month or a year, like, whatever you need. Like, just just stay here, you know? Yes, that must have felt so good. Yeah, it was. I mean, I didn't know what I would do if they yes. stay there. I'd probably move back to Hilton Head for a little bit. But he, you know, I did it um, and I didn't leave for like, I don't know, six years or something. Oh my gosh. I didn't realize you lived there that long. So did you write music there? Oh yeah. I lived, I had a little, um, like a, we call it a couture, but like it was like a little cabin in the garden and it was one, one, it was, you know, like super, super small. I slept on the floor, um, on a mat on the floor. And then I was done sleeping. I'd roll up the mat and put it like above because that was it. That's all you had room for. And I had right. a little desk and somehow I fit my guitars in there and my shrine and everything. And yeah, I, w I was kind of living like this, uh, monk, uh, uh, lifestyle, which I kind of enjoyed, like I really enjoyed. But then on the other hand, I was, I was going out on these tours and, um, you know, being in this totally different environment, you know, and then coming back, it was just so interesting. 
Was that like a hard, like, I don't know if dichotomy is the right word, but like. So hard. It was so. Yeah. yeah. Because I would get like, you know, I'd be in this just beautiful space. Um, and then I would go out on tour and also be in a beautiful, you know, space cause I'm doing what I love. But, um, it was just, it was like, it was like so much, uh, stimulation. Mm-hmm. And then I'd come back to the temple and it would take me like a while to like calm down. You know, I'd be like, Oh my God, I feel bored here or I'm stifled or, right. you know, but then I'd be like, Oh man, no, like it would, it was just, it was, in, and then I wouldn't want to leave to go on tour, you know, and then I go on tour and then I wouldn't want to come back. It was just like, kind of- you were like, you were like wrestling with yourself. Like you're too, you're like, you're yin and you're yang. It's interesting. I have a friend who grew up, um, she grew up Buddhist and, um, she would, she told me like they, she grew up, um, like living in like a, like a community or whatever. And the first time she went to like a regular grocery store, she said they walked down the cereal, cereal aisle and she was like, what the fuck? She was like, I could not get over how many cereal choices there were. She was like, and I just like, couldn't, she was like, and then when we went back and we, you know, living back and she was like, I just, she's like, I'll always remember the cereal. And that just always like struck me. It's like, you know, when you're in it and you're like constantly like in the flow and there's like so many things coming at you and texts and emails and this and that, and you've got places to be. And then you remove yourself. It is such a different energy. Just the thought of like having to exchange that over and over, it seems that it could be a little taxing on the the brain and the heart. Yeah. I mean, it definitely was, but I think what happened was, is that I started to, at a certain point, um, not differentiate, you know, Mm -hmm. I didn't separate things. I was just like, Oh, um, yeah, it's hard to explain. It wasn't like, you know, I think in the beginning it was kind of like, you know, this is holy and this is not, Mm. Uh, and that was my ignorance, you know. And then what happened was, as the more I did it, was like, no, like everything is holy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even if something is unholy, that was also created by the Divine Mother. So um, it was kind of like, I don't know, it kind of at a certain point, it kind of created this oneness of or not being affected or, you know, like by my environment, it was just like, you have to, the, your environment is within, you know, if you're happy, you're going to look out and everything's going to be happy. You know, if you're having mm-hmm. a bad day, you know, everything's going to bother you in your right. day. Right. So oh. it kind of showed me like, it doesn't matter what environment you're in. The, the thing that matters is where you are in yourself, you know, in your being. So yeah, it kind of just, it was, it was a, it was a great lesson. It was a good lesson. And, uh, but it, it definitely wasn't easy in the beginning. No, but that's what you said. I love what you just said there. Cause I say this and it's so cliche, but it's like everywhere you go, there you are. So if you know, it's like who, who I say to my, my class a lot too, I'm like, you know, this is, this practice is an extension of you. This is not like, okay, I rolled my mat out. I put my spandex on. I did my yoga class. Now I'm going to go get my car and be an asshole. You know, I'm like, it it, is a continuum of who we are, like breath to breath and body to body. And it's, you know, what we start in our, in, or what we speak about in the room is like what we start in our bodies, then we take out and we can verbalize in like the, on a community level, like in an effort of, you know, raising the vibration elsewhere as well. So, um, I love that. That is the power of yoga and meditation is, you know, you're creating an internal 
uh, an internal environment um, to affect the world, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, so some people may ask like, oh, well, what good are you doing by like, you know, um, rolling out your mat and, you know, whatever, practicing yoga for an hour. Mm -hmm. um, but there's a tremendous benefit not only to one's health and whatever, um, but to one's environment. Um, you know, I, I have a lot of people that kind of challenge me, you know, if I talk about these yogis that live in the Himalayas and like caves, you know, away from the world, like meditating, They're like, well, what good are they doing? You mm -hmm. know? You're like, you have no idea. Right. You have, you have no idea what good they're doing for the world at large um, through their meditation and uh, power and, and, and all these things. I mean, it's something that I strongly believe in, you know. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's that relationship from the internal to the external, you know. Yes, totally. And I think that's a very powerful conversation and one I can understand having to not necessarily defend, but just explain where I stand on. And I mean, it's body prayer and, you know, we, we fold it's, it, yes, it shapes and, but it, it, it's, it's, it is hard to explain sometimes, you know, it's, I've been um, in this, this is the only industry I've ever known. Um, and like yoga, boutique, fitness, whatever you want to call it. And it has changed so much, especially in Charleston over the years. Um, we, when I opened my first studio, it was like 10 years ago, we were on Upper King Street and there was like nothing there. We walked into this place and it was like a dirt floor. And our, my husband was like, are you sure? I was like, yeah, well, let's do it. You know, we, we can't afford anything else. Let's do it here. <laughs> and now it's, it seems that it's, I don't want to use the word mainstream because that's, I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but it's just, it's more prevalent maybe. And so people, I think people like to challenge things that have gained some sort of popularity or that seem to be trendy. But I think if you break it down, it's, you know, like I said about vinyasa, like vinyasa is vinyasa, whether you're on your yoga mat or in your car or with your lover or with your child or in prayer or, you know, or in grief or in healing or in like rehab or whatever it is, you're, 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 if you can make the connection with your, your body and your mind and you can move in that type of a flow, like when in flow, we flow. And one thing I really loved about is that you called, or that the, the mini series or whatever it's called, was called coming home. Because I think that that's like, you're coming home obviously to your home of South Carolina, but like coming home to yourself too. And that is, that's a hard practice. I think, um, that for me, that's the hardest practice is to get to sit my butt down and get still and to like, you know, get connected one hand heart, one hand belly, just find breaths to like regain my brain power, basically, so that I can be in a productive parent worker, whatever it is, just a part of like a, an uplifting part of the community, I guess. Um, so but um, anyway, I don't know why I just went on that tangent, but give me about three more hours and I'll keep going. No, just kidding. I won't, I won't keep you that long. <laughs> um, <laughs> one thing, uh, too, I keep saying one thing. I have like a million things, but you use the word flow a lot. And of course, I love that word. And you said something um, at the end of the, the, the series that I watched and you were talking about like being home and you're like, you want to play your best because like, what if someone's there and you're like, look, I made it. And you're like, actually, I don't like to operate from 
that place. Like I want to like you like how it comes and flows through you. And will you just speak to that a little bit? Because I, I that like I actually listened to the that like minute or minute and a half like over and over again. And I would like pause it and be like, hey guys, come into my office. I want you to listen to this. Like I just it was so it's just so it's so where it's at. Right. Well, I think for like when we were talking about like the music, uh, the healing aspects of music, um, the reason I think that it is so healing for me and so powerful for me is that it's the only time in my life where I feel like I'm out of my way. And mm-hmm. you know, it's like um, there's no effort you know, when it's really like happening well or going well, um, Mm -hmm. there is no effort. I feel like I am gone. You know, I feel like my story, my, uh, personality, my ego, all these things. I don't know. It's just quiet, you know? And like when I'm not playing music, like, man, my mind is so, all over the fucking place. Like, it's Same. just, it's insane. <laughs> and, uh, neurotic and, you know, OCD and whatever, just like, just all over the place, you know, just thinking, 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 thinking. And, um, yeah, music is just one of the only times when, when that stops, you know? Um, mm-hmm. so like what happens is that when I'm, that's why I, that's why I say, you know, when you were asking like, oh, if, you know, people c- come up to you and say your music has done this. And it's like so hard for me to like uh, be like, yeah, well, you're welcome, you know, because, <laughs> because I, happening there, I am completely gone. Like I am gone and I am listening to this thing and it's just it's magic. I mean, it's so magical to me. It's like. I read an article once with Florence Welch from Florence and the Machine, and she speaks a lot about um, how she's a really shy person, and especially after she um, she got sober, she she wrote a song about this, and she's like, being on stage, she's like, is the best drug of my life, and it's like, you know, and it's totally different because you're speaking to you know, 600,000 people, I'm speaking to 60. But (laughs) when I'm in the room and I'm like, feel like we're all in flow and, you know, it's like, like, it's almost like, what's that Will Ferrell movie where he's like old school, like he blacks out and then he comes to, I'm like, did that just happen? You know, it's like, you're, I'm so in the moment that it just flows for me. Yeah. It's, it's, you're in this just, I don't know. For, for me, it's like this observer state where I'm just watching. I'm just, I'm, I'm not like judging anything. I'm just like, whoa, this is, you know. And so when it, when it's not working, right, it's like I see myself trying, trying. Mm-hmm. I'm trying, trying, trying. You know, it's just like so annoying, you know. And yes. then I just have to stop. I just have to, okay, now's not the good time. Like, just let it go, you know. Um, totally. But... Yeah, that is, that's the space, you know, that's what I live for. That's, um, that's why I love doing what I, what I do or, or don't do, (laughs) but uh, it's just, um, that's why music is so special to me and powerful to me. And it doesn't have to be music, you know, for people It can be painting or it can be uh, walking. It can be serving another human being. It can be, you know, it can be anything you want, but 
um, if you're lucky enough to, uh, yeah, find your flow, um, or find the thing that makes you flow, you should just do that, like, unapologetically, like, um, and, 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 and give that, give that space all you got, you know? I love that. And I agree with you a hundred percent, like totally a hundred percent on that. Um, so can I ask you like two more questions? Yeah, yeah, of course. Okay, cool. I don't want to eat up all your time. I know you're, you're, you're chilling. Um, so I don't ever write questions for my interviews, but because I was like, our, so our podcast is called Are, Are You For Real? So I'm going to be real with you. I have like a major fangirl moment. Like I was like sitting here sweating. I was like, I don't know what I'm going to say, da, 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 da. but honestly, you're lovely and you're so easy to talk to. So thank you for being real first and foremost. Um, <laughs> um, so could you like give us like a moment or I don't know if it's one moment or something or an experience that inspired a song that is like so vivid and like etched in your heart? Mm. Yeah, there's a there's quite a few. Um, there's a song I don't get to play a lot because uh, it was kind of more of like a spoken word, like a poem type thing. It's called The Lion's Mane. Mm-hmm. It was on this album that I did after getting dropped from uh, Geffen when I was, you know, I was on the label for like three or four years and I recorded two albums for them and then they kept them and didn't release them and then they dropped me from the label and so I was you know I was upset I guess about getting dropped but I was also so happy about being free Mm -hmm. and um we recorded this album called this is blue which is just like this acoustic album but it's just it's it's one of my favorites in a way because I was just uh you could just feel me trying to like finally having a breath of air to share um what was given to me but anyway the song is on there it's called the lion's mane and it's like a spoken word thing and it was kind of inspired by this day that um in india on my very first trip going to india i was 20 years old it was in 2007 and we were staying in this town called Rishikesh, which is kind of a famous, it's quite famous now because it's where the Beatles were and lots of different yoga schools and um, yeah, ashrams, everything. But it's very beautiful because it's right on the, the Ganga and it's at the foothills of the Himalayas. So you're kind mm-hmm. of looking up into these just giants and um the Ganga kind of spills out from the Himalayas into the plains. That's where the Gangas meet the, or the mountains meet the plains. So anyway, we're there. I'm there with the two monks from uh, the ashram in Laguna. And then also the teacher that, that brought me there. He also came. So it was us four on this trip to India. And my mind was being like, just totally like blown every single day we were there. Um, just too many experiences to count. But anyway, one day we're we're in Rishikesh and they suggest that we should take a car up to this town um, called Devprayag. Um, and it's this village that's up in the mountains about three hours north of Rishikesh. Um, and it's where two rivers come together and, and officially the Ganga kind of starts, right? So it's a meeting point and it's a holy place to take a bath in the rivers and 
um, they were like, you know, it'd just be, it'd be nice because you can see more of the Himalayas, you know, mm-hmm. and we can go to this place. So I was like, of course, like, let's, let's do it. Like they had been there before. And, um, so anyway, we leave Rishikesh and, you know, it's like my first week in India. It's like my, I don't know, fifth day or whatever. And we're driving into the Himalayas on this like windy, you know, single lane road that has like no guardrail. <laughs> and, um, you know, it's just it was like your fifth and last day <laughs> on the earth. <laughs> yeah. Truck, like, you know, trucks coming opposite direction. I mean, it's just driving there is pretty insane. But we were as we were getting deeper and deeper, you know, it was getting quieter and quieter. And, um, you know, the Himalaya mountains are mountains, but Himalayas are like living. It's just really intent, powerful, you know. Mm hmm. India, they believe that the Himalayas are Lord Shiva's jatta, his dreadlocks, right? Mm. And expanding, right? So we're driving and we stop on the way, uh, on the way to this village of the Meeting Rivers. We stop um, at this holy place called Vashishta Gufa. And Gufa is a cave. And Vashishta was one of the seven, the Sapta Rishis, one of the seven ancient seers of India and one of the seven ancient yogis, right? So when you look up at the sky um, and you see the Big Dipper, there's seven stars in India, they believe that's the Sapta Rishis. Okay. And so one of these Rishis, Vashishta, who is Lord Rama's guru, who's a famous character in India, mm-hmm. um, he meditated, to have meditated in this cave, you know, um, he meditated the in the cave. And so, yes. yeah, so he stayed in this cave and you can go down and they now have a temple there and stuff. And you can walk down and go into the cave and like sit in the cave. And um, so we stopped at this place. There's like nobody around. We're like up in the mountains now, you know, like forest. Mm-hmm. And we go down and, and, and we sit in this cave and it was just, you know, long story short, it was just like, oh my God, like so palpable and powerful you know like i'm just my mind's being blown you have to understand like i'm just yes. like every single moment you know and so we leave the cave and it was right on the ganga and there's nothing around you know and the ganga i don't know i walked down to the ganga and i was just like you know i was alone standing in the himalayas i'm 20 mm-hmm. from hilton head south carolina <laughs> I'm like, how the fuck did I get here? This yeah. Is, I'm just having a moment, whatever. And I'm looking at the Gunga and I'm like, whoa, like they say that this is a goddess, you know, and like this, I can feel it, you know, right now. I'm like, yeah, it's crazy, you know. So I kind of I, I'm like, I'm just going to have a moment by myself. They all kind of walked back up to the car. Right. And waited for me. And I actually jumped into the Gunga right there. <laughs> just had this moment you know yeah oh you know and I'm walking back up to the car the car is kind of you have to walk up back to the road and um while I was in the temple I had I got a banana a piece of fruit because when you go to the temples um they give out a thing called like prasad it's like a blessed you know offering right Mm -hmm. and and um so usually in a temple they give you some sweet or piece of fruit and um and any, so anyway, I had this piece of, I had this banana, right? 
and I'm walking back up to the road and I get up to the road. And when I get up to the road, you know, we have our Jeep that we're all driving in and, and my, my party's kind of hanging out at the Jeep. But before I get to the Jeep, there's, there's this beggar on the side of the road and he's sitting there with his hands out and there's nobody around, you know? And when I came to India, they you know, I was, I learned all these things, you know, it's actually, it's not good to give to a beggar because uh, it can be quite dangerous in some situations because right. if one beggar sees you, then you can get kind of mobbed and it can just be intense. But I was up in the Himalayas, there was nobody around, you know, I'm like, it's okay. Like, mm-hmm. this is fine, you know? So I walk over to this man and he's kind of squatting and like holding out his hands and I, you know, get, I, you know, let my, I give my banana to him, you know, and I'm holding out the banana and he's not taking it. He's just looking at me and he's got his hands open, you know, and I'm like, kind of like, what, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, Hey, like, Ligier, you know, take, take yeah. this, take this piece of fruit, like for you, you know? And he's just looking at me like, kind of like with a weird face, like expressionless face and not taking the offering. And something happened in my brain. I, I, I immediately started to cut this, this guy up in my head. You know, I was just like, what is your problem? Yeah. Like, I was like, is it, you know, I was like, is it because I'm white? Like, right. Is this like a caste rule or something? Like, do you think I'm impure? Like, I'm trying to, I'm doing something nice. Like, mm-hmm. what's your problem? You know, like, you should be grateful. Like, I was going, like, so. And so fast. So quickly, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> judging the shit out of this guy. And it was just so weird because I had come from the Ganga and I was, like, feeling all holy and feeling like I was, like, a real yogi and, like, was like pure and all this stuff. And the next moment I'm like, just totally judging this guy. And just before I'm about to like throw the banana in his hand, like, I'm just like, <laughs> over this, you know, this is stupid. Yeah. Uh, the monk from our party shouts that he's blind. Oh. And I just like, I burst into tears mm. um, because I felt like, so gross in my whole being and I placed the banana into his hands and then he started crying and me cry there I was like you know in the Himalayas like crying with this like dude you know over a banana (laughs) Um, but you know something happened in that moment you know um he is blind but I felt like I was the blind man in mm-hmm. that moment. and when when I was judging him and thinking that I had it all figured out and all this stuff and um I felt awful like I felt so gross I still when I think about it I'm like oh and um yeah I just had this moment with him and got back into the car and we drove up to this village, which was like just unbelievably spectacular. And we went down to the rivers and 
bathed in the rivers again and I kind of got rejuvenated and felt like I had washed this thing off. And um, it was just a roller coaster day, you know? Yeah. And we drove out and I got home and all I could think about was that experience of the blind man. I was just like, whoa, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, I, I wanted to write a song, you know, about it, but I could, I just didn't have the, uh, no, like lyrics were coming. It was just like this poem that came to me. And so I put the poem to music and that, that's what the lion's mane is on that album. It's, it's one of my favorite, I guess, pieces. Um, but, you know, it's interesting because in India, there's all these, um, I think about it a lot, you know, because there's all these stories in India, like one of my favorite saints, Neen Karoli Baba, there's so many stories of him um, appearing in different forms, you know, like, so for instance, like people would go to him and they'd say, Baba, we're having a festival tomorrow at our home. Can you please bless our festival and come and take food in our house, you know? And they'd be, he'd be like, no, no, I'm not coming. I'm not coming. You know? And they, they beg him like, please, 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 like, please bless us. You know, please come to our home and bless us. So he said, okay, I'll come tomorrow. I'll come tomorrow. You know? Mm -hmm. So they're like all like super happy. And the next day they, they have this festival and, and Baba doesn't show up. So they're like, this is, he lied to us. Like a saint, like lied to us. Like they're really hurt, you know? Right. the next day they go back, hey, like, you lied to us, Baba. Like, you, you said you would come and you didn't. And Baba said, no, no, I did come. And they're like, no, you didn't. We were there all day. Like, we would have known, obviously, that you showed up at our house. You, you didn't come. And he said, no, no, I did come. Remember that beggar that came to the door that you refused to mm. give food to? And they're like, oh, God, you know. And he's like, that was Yeah, me. yeah, yeah, yeah. So we never know who we're meeting, you know, we never know what person is is placed in front of us for what reason. And that's why it's important always to remember to handle everybody with respect, you know, and love. And, and um, yeah, it was just super heavy teaching for me, super heavy experience that. I love that. It's so, so beautiful. It really is. No, that was awesome. Like that is, it's so, it's, that's an amazing story. And it's just, it's so relevant, you know, to everything, I think, because you don't ever know, you know, um, this is a little different, but, um, unfortunately my husband and I, our first, um, our first daughter, Grace, she died in early infancy. And when she was sick in the hospital, we were at MUSC, you know, the big hospital in Charleston and we were leaving, the parking deck one day, our parents were there and they were like, you guys have to like, you need to go get outside. Like you got to get out of the fluorescent lights. You got to get out of the hospital. Like you haven't slept, you haven't eaten, like go to a park. And I was like, I don't want to leave. Like what if something changes? You know, it's just like a really shitty experience. Well, it wasn't, I look back and it, it changed my life. So I shouldn't say that. But at the time I was just heartbroken. And as, yeah, Yes, the details are shitty. The circumstance is shitty, but the beauty of the whole thing is not lost on me. Um, and so we're leaving the parking deck, and like the man that that was like checking us out, like John, my husband, like hands him the ticket, and this guy, just this bigger man, like he like be- leans down to like look in 
the tr- like our car or whatever. And he looked at both of us and he was like, it's going to be okay. He was like, things like this, you're going to be okay. You will be happy. And John and I were both looked at each other and we were like, what the fuck? Like this guy doesn't know us from Adam, you know? And that was a moment to me. And I actually, I used, I had a blog. Her name, my daughter's name was Grace. After she passed away, I wrote this whole, this long blog. So it was like part of my way of healing is, is writing. And um, I wrote about him and I was like, you know, there's like angels everywhere and you just, you don't know. And, and it was just like, you know, like we could have just handed this guy the parking ticket and like sped off, but like he just was there and, and who, and I was like, who was that guy? You know, like he was exactly where, that was exactly what I needed at that time. And it's, it's like finding the beauty and the grace and like the love and everything that we, that's around us all the time. Because it, you know, I heard Max Strom, who's um, a yoga teacher talk one day and he was saying, you know, it's like, he was talking about being present and he like snapped his fingers and he was like, just like that, it's gone. And, and, uh, you know, just being part of the experience makes, makes living for me worth living, I guess. Like the beauty is, is in the breakdown. It's in the healing. It's in the grief. It's in the recovery. It's in the joy. Like after we lost Grace, then my, my first son was born. His name's Waylon. And, um, my midwife, like when she put him on my chest, it was like the most redemptive moment in the world. And I don't know if I would have ever appreciated reciprocity and redemption if we had not lost grace. You know what I mean? Like, and, and I just, and I, I feel that, um, and I'm not putting you on a pedestal, but I do feel that in your music. (laughs) And like one of my all time favorite songs is that song forgive. And it is, it like gives me chills and it's, you know, it's just beautiful. Like forgiving is forgiving. And I I love that. Like it's like that gift of, I I call it the gift of grace, just forgiving yourself, forgiving other people around you, like forgiving yourself when you're in that moment and that guy's holding his hands out and you're like, take my banana and you don't know. And we learn so much about, or I know I learned so much about myself in those moments where, you know, I take the time to, to notice who I'm being in the situation as well. And I don't know. Like I said, I could talk, I could talk for like, I could talk to a wall. I mean, I could talk to anybody forever. <laughs> um, but no, I love that. Thank you. Okay. So then it leads me, I have to ask you this one other question. So what, what breaks your heart? Um, what breaks my heart is, uh, a lot of things. <laughs> I know. I know. That's such a like, you're like, really? <laughs> I can't, like my wife is, she's always laughing at me. Cause like, I'll cry at like a commercial. Oh, me too. <laughs> I just like, I'm such a crier. Um, what breaks my heart is, um, makes me so angry. Um, is I, I don't like, I'm not like so much like an angry person, but like when I do get angry, I usually go from like zero to like 200 mm-hmm. in like, you know, a moment. Um, and people are like, whoa, you know, yeah. <laughs> what's that? You know, and even me sometimes I'm like, whoa, what was that? You know? Yeah, yeah. But um, for me, it's like the thing that breaks my heart is, is, uh, people treating other people like they're um lower than them 
like a sense of like entitlement, um, anything that kind of makes someone, yeah, like, uh, uh, feel like they're lower than them. Um, it just drives me insane. Um, it, it makes me sad for, it may, it breaks my heart for the person that is on the receiving end of that bullshit, but mm-hmm. also breaks my heart for the person that thinks that they're superior because, um, it just, for, to me, it's like lack of connection, you know? Totally. And, um, you know, one of the things that even bothers me about like charity, um, or the word charity is that there is a sense of like, Oh, we're helping these people who are poorer than us. You know, these people aren't as, um, you know, they're not on our level, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it just drives me insane. Um, you know, one of the, one of my, again, teachers, uh, India, um, he he talked about that word to charity and he said his attitude was that um these people are appearing in our lives as a blessing to give us the opportunity to serve Mm. we're actually indebted to these people we are lower than these people and we are indebted to them for giving us this blessing of having the opportunity to serve you know yes so anything like, yeah, anything like that really just drives me insane. And that can go to bullying, you know, like if I'm watching like a movie and I see like a kid being bullied, like, you know, in school, I'm like, oh my God. Oh, I know. I know. My my oldest son is in like big school for the first time. He's in, I mean, he's only in kindergarten. Um and then I have two-year-old twins, but I was like, I said to John, I was like, if anyone is mean to Waylon, like I'm gonna go ape, you know? And it's like this, like in this, like mommy, like or this, or this instinct to like lay on top of your like, like I'm like, I get why, like you know, like like animals eat their eat their young. <laughs> like I'm like, let me protect you. <laughs> um, well, thank you, truly. This has been such a lovely conversation, and I appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. I know that our listeners are going to be super excited to hear this. And, um, I'm just, I'm just really grateful that you were so open and real and exactly who I wanted you to be. So thank you. (laughs) When's, when are you going to be in town again? We will be there. There's nothing on the books uh, because we were just there in August with, um, or late July with, um, John Butler trio. Oh yeah. Cool. Um, so yeah, I don't I don't think we'll be there probably till early next year again, hopefully, but it just depends on the on the routing. Okay. Well we I'm gonna keep my eyes open and I will hopefully come see you and get to give you a hug in person. Yeah, please do. Let us know. Thank you so much. Have an awesome day. Okay, thank you. Well, 
That was pretty epic conversation. I think Trevor would have talked to us for even longer. He's so generous with his time and what a beautiful testament to the person and the music that he creates. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. I'm super excited about all the people that we have coming in right now that are going to be sharing themselves, their different walks of life, their different work that they do. And the thing that I'm finding about everyone is when we connect it with this heart work, it's we're all the same. We're all doing this work together. So thanks for listening. Check us out. Rate us. Tell all your friends. We're super, super stoked about all the things coming up, but we need your love to keep this thing going. All right. Have a good day. 